Hi everybody and welcome to Tables Podcast. The Tables is a church located in Davenport, Iowa, where people are moving from greed toward generosity, from violence toward peacemaking, from isolation toward neighborliness, and from fear toward faith. Today's podcast is The Good Shepherd. Pastor Rob talks and discusses John chapter 10. Let's take a listen. I am the Good Shepherd. The Good Shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand, who is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and runs away. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. The hired hand runs away because a hired hand does not care for the sheep. I am the Good Shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that do not belong to this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me because I lay down my life in order to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it up again. I have received this command from my Father. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In 1995, a Pittsburgh man was arrested for robbing two banks. He was apprehended at his home and when police took him into custody, he was astonished and outraged. He kept shouting, but I wore the lemon juice. I wore the lemon juice. Turns out <laughs> this man had be, been convinced that lemon juice renders a person invisible to security cameras. How this might be possible, I don't know. <laughs> Uh, where did the theory come from? Don't know. But he apparently tested the theory out before trying to rob a bank. He covered himself in lemon juice. He pointed a Polaroid camera at himself. This was in 1995 before mobile phone uh, selfie cameras, right? Um, and he took a picture. When the film developed, he was not in the photograph. So the lemon juice must have made him invisible. The, the idea <laughs> that the film didn't, you know, maybe didn't develop correctly or that, I don't know, with like lemon juice burning his eyes, maybe he didn't aim the camera <laughs> properly, right? These things did not, uh, these, this did not occur to this individual. He was fully convinced that he could rob a bank without cameras recording him. All right. Well, the, the case attracted the attention of some behavioral psychologists who were conducting a lot of research, uh, research and they incorporated the data or the information from this episode into their research. Eventually, in their papers and in their, their books that they published, uh, a coin was uh, a phrase was coined, the Dunning-Kruger effect. And the Dunning-Kruger effect 
refers to scenarios where a person who is severely misinformed actually has no idea that they are not 100% correct on some topic. Uh, people who are incompetent, but they just don't know that they are incompetent. Now, the dynamic shows up in lots of different contexts, um, like such as people who believe that they're excellent musicians despite not being able to carry a tune, or people who believe that they have a great sense of humor despite being unable to comprehend most jokes. It's not just a matter of a person's ignorance or ineptitude. It's that the person truly has no idea just how in the dark they really are. Now, when you hear about a phenomenon like this from, say, the world of uh, psychology, um, you know, it's very easy to see it as basically an affliction of strange individuals that everybody else can simply laugh at while patting ourselves on the back for not being so clueless. I mean, you know, honestly, who thinks that lemon juice can make you invisible? Can you believe this guy? I'm glad I'm not so stupid. That's, that's the mental uh, reaction that we have. But the researchers who study this phenomenon have always been adamant that it is not some cheap way of describing imbeciles in our society so that everybody else can rest assured that they are intelligent. Far from it, the Dunning-Kruger effect describes scenarios where normal people and even quite intelligent people just don't know how dense and incompetent they actually are with regard to this area or that topic. Right? The Dunning-Kruger effect is like a club and you don't know if you're a member. Okay, in 2017, our society experienced an explosive grassroots campaign that came to be known as the Me Too movement. The goal of the, the movement, I guess, in, in its most basic sense, was very simple, okay? It was to help everyone, but particularly men, understand just how common and pervasive and incessant it is for women to be subjected to sexual harassment and assault in our society. It is just so common, and this campaign was simply to help people to understand how common it is. In order to show that these experiences of violence and intimidation are not rare occurrences that you might hear about every once in a while on the news. Millions and millions and millions of women posted their own stories of these things happening to them. And they added the hashtag, me too. This happened to me too. And this movement was necessary because our society has long been full of people who just d didn't know how poorly 
they understood this very important reality. And there are a lot of men, right? Men who believe themselves to be decent and concerned, the kind of people who stand up for what's right, the kind of men who care very much about women and, and the well-being of women. But they were nevertheless forced to confront the fact that despite always thinking of themselves as the good guys, they did not actually understand what the women in their lives had really been through. People don't know that they don't know. Okay. Something similar can be said about the Black Lives Matter movement which has been mobilized for several years, but became the preeminent concern in our society after the killing of George Floyd last summer uh, by a police officer. Uh, there was a moment in which a lot of people who for a variety of reasons could not see or simply refused to acknowledge the reality of racism, or maybe they treat, treat racism as something a, lo a lot more uh, sort of simplistic and anachronistic and and not really a pressing concern that that demands systemic change in our day right but suddenly um, there was this moment over the past year where we experienced a kind of where a lot of people experienced a kind of breakthrough the video of Floyd's murder was a catalyst for many people, not everyone, but for many people who realized at that time how blind and frankly incurious they had been in the past. But they just, they didn't want to be that way going forward. They wanted to take their next steps into the next chapter of their personal lives and the lives of our nation with their eyes wide open. And they wanted to work for a better world, honestly grappling with the realities of racism. Now, in terms of the number of civic actions that happened and the number of people who have participated, the Black Lives Matter movement in 2020 was actually the biggest advocacy movement in the history of the United States. And if, but, you know, with all that said, I was struck in the past couple of weeks by just how many people I know personally who were convinced that the police officer who killed George Floyd would be declared not guilty in his trial. Despite this whole year of marches and widespread denunciation of police brutality by elected leaders and of course the most horrific and incriminating viral video that you could ever expect to see, so many people that I know, they simply assumed that the police officer would go free. Because we live in a world where the truth of things is so often not acknowledged. Just like a man who sprays himself with lemon juice and thinks that he can't be seen by video cameras, our legal system has so often seemed to be disconnected from reality. 
So when the verdict came down as guilty, it struck many people as correct, but still surprising because they weren't able, they weren't used to seeing this level of accountability when a black person was unjustly killed. And yet it also serves as a sign that to some extent, a new kind of widespread consciousness about the trauma that racism creates to some extent, a new consciousness could be awakening. So there is some measure of hope at the conclusion of that trial, though nobody thinks the work is done. It's dangerous and it is costly when people are not are not only ignorant, right, but they believe themselves to be informed. Okay? When people don't know that they don't know. It is dangerous and costly when people believe themselves to be the smartest people in the room, even while behaving stupidly. It's dangerous and costly when people believe themselves to be kind and generous and fair while not acknowledging the violence and the harm that abounds all around them, which is allowed to flourish by the silence and the inaction of the many. In our gospel reading today, Jesus calls people sheep. You notice that? Jesus calls people sheep. Now, I think <laughs> that most people are comfortable with Jesus himself being called the Good Shepherd. Okay, That's an easy title and a, a cool concept for people to ascribe to Jesus. He's a shepherd. We even have churches called Good Shepherd Christian Church, Good Shepherd Presbyterian Church, right? Um, so Jesus is the, the shepherd, and everybody's fine with that. But most people I know do not want to be called sheep. You ever notice that? Hmm. Yeah, not a lot of positive association with that term. You, you, you say something dumb, and then you say you feel sheepish. Mm -hmm. It's an insult to call people sheep. It means that they're weak or they're shiftless, or they don't know how to think and act for themselves. They can't be relied upon to get things right of their own accord because, you know, they're just sheep, right? Nobody likes to be called a sheep. But Jesus calls us sheep. He does. That's what he calls us. And friends, Jesus is not saying that to insult us. I got to say, Jesus does not insult people. That's just not the way that he operates. He does. He can be extremely critical of people. He does not mince words. <laughs> he often has very serious things to say to people about what he observes in their conduct and in their life choices. However, he does not insult them. He does not denigrate people. He does not slander people. Okay. But Jesus calls us sheep and when he calls us sheep he is simply saying something to us about us that we are not inclined to comprehend about ourselves okay and one thing about us is that we do get swept up it's true 
we can get distracted and turned around we are susceptible we focus on the wrong things we can believe things to be true that are not true we can get lost like sheep and we are vulnerable that is true and in the language of our our reading we are vulnerable it says to wolves right to predators to those who mean us harm but we're not just vulnerable to the wolves we're also vulnerable to bad shepherds yes all the people and the messages that say trust me i'll give you what you need i'll tell you what you need to know i'll protect you in a dangerous world but in our moment of need, the bad shepherd disappears. Not so trustworthy after all. Okay. Jesus says that we are sheep. And he says this not to denigrate us, just to say that we are not as brilliant and fierce and self-sufficient and benevolent as we sometimes believe ourselves to be. And he says that he is the good shepherd and he says he is the good shepherd not because he is so good at the job of shepherding this is a very important detail for us to note jesus is not the good shepherd because he is the best guy in the world at all the skills that you need to shepherd some sheep okay no the reason that Jesus is the good shepherd, at least according to this passage, is because the sheep belong to him. Mm -hmm. We are his sheep. We belong to him. He cares for us. The bad shepherd likewise is not bad because he is incompetent he has no skills at shepherding no the bad shepherd is bad because he's base he's like a hired hand right? the sheep are not his sheep he doesn't really care about them and he doesn't hesitate to abandon them because they are not his sheep anyway you see Jesus says that we are sheep who belong to a good shepherd. And the good shepherd will find us when we are lost. The good shepherd will even lay down his life for us when menacing, fearsome things come around. And so we ought to listen to his voice. Let him lead us on the right path. If we trust Jesus, if we listen to him, if we follow the good shepherd, he will not only tell us what we want to hear. He will not validate all of our preconceived notions about ourselves, assuring us that we are as intelligent and virtuous and innocent as we wish to believe we are. He will offer us no cheap justification pointing out how obviously inferior other people are to us no that is not how the good shepherd takes care of us instead he will say 
you belong to me. He'll draw us near as he draws near to the whole world. All people belong to this shepherd. He loves the whole world just as he loves any one person. And so to listen to him, to follow him, is to care for every person the way he cares for his sheep. But not only that, right? if we turn to Jesus as shepherd, if we follow him, if we trust him as guide and protector, we necessarily relinquish ideas of our own preeminence, our own independence, our own self-justification. If we see suffering and injustice in the world, we don't need to reflexively spin a narrative that rationalizes the pain in a way that protects our status and our comfort. No, we can just look plainly at violence and trauma and poverty and any great affliction because of how important we understand the safety and healing of all God's children to truly be. To be a sheep in Christ's flock is to forego the willful blindness and the ignorance that we could very easily practice. And instead, to choose to see with the vision of the one who leads us. Amen. Thanks for listening, everyone. For more podcasts, blog posts, or to make a financial gift, visit thetableqc.com. Have a blessed day. Thanks for listening, everyone. For more podcasts, blog posts, or to make a financial gift, visit thetableqc.com. Have a blessed day.